Hey guys, welcome to Being Extra. My name is Jorge Gonzalez. I'm the host of your show. Uh, the reason why I'm talking to you guys is because I want to apologize ahead of time for the audio of this podcast. Uh, this was the first time we shot live anywhere and we couldn't find a good place to do it, so we had to shoot pretty much in the strip mall. <laughs> and uh, where we shot, there was a lot of ambient noise, a lot of people walking around, background music. So that is what you are about to hear, but still, the stories are great. Working in Richard Jewell, working with Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, hanging out with the Castle Zombie Land, things like that that we that we're just gonna talk about in this podcast. And don't forget that we're also on YouTube. So anything we talk about, we show it visually on YouTube. So don't forget to subscribe on YouTube as well. So here's the interview. Welcome, guys, to being extra. Jorge Gonzalez. Today, I'm joined by my good friend Kevin Montgomery. How you doing, Kevin? Doing all right. That's good, man. Uh, I haven't spoken or seen you pretty much since the whole quarantine started, man. How you been? I've been bored. <laughs> I've been <laughs> I've been trying to uh, yeah trying to just stay put, not the uh, not piss away all the money that I've been getting from the uh, UI. That thank God that they were able to give us because we right. were you know you know we're not the uh, we're struggling actors. Yeah. <laughs> But luckily, we're not considered self-employed, so thank God that they they're able to give us all that money. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I've been I've been can't really complain, but yeah, it's just been I'm just I miss work. Yeah, miss being on set. Uh, as I said on the show before, my last day on set before quarantine started was on the resident. What set were you on before we got quarantine? It's for a new show on. HBO, but I'm not sure if I'm be allowed to say it at this juncture. Gotcha. But let's just say, with all the crap that's been going on right now, especially yeah. since George Floyd, yeah, it is rapidly going to the point where that show, that show is going to be really prophetic wow. as to what's happening in this country. So that's that's kind of like the biggest hint I can give, I guess. Okay, okay. no, it's cool, man. Like whenever a uh, trailer pops up. We'll put the link right here, you know. So Kevin right here, he's gonna join us in a couple more episodes. Whenever there's movie reviews, movie news to talk about, he's gonna come in. He's the resident 80s bad boy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of going for the uh, Cliff Booth Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing, except... Uh, if Cliff Booth met the Breakfast Club. I yeah, because red, red's more my color than yellow, but uh, and, well, I'm a huge Stone Temple Pilots fan, so. If there was ever a Breakfast Club reboot, would you audition? If, me, yeah, I'll give it a shot, yeah. <laughs> I think you have a pretty good shot. I see your cosplays, man, they're pretty good. Yeah, it's funny you mention that, because um, that's like, I, I accidentally kind of typecasted myself with that, and it's like, not that I'm complaining, because that's like, I've been, I've, I've kind of pigeonholed myself in terms of being an extra towards that archetype. So that allowed me to have some of the most fun I could have on set. Yeah. And um, that all started from when I did Insatiable on season one, and they called me to be part of like the criminals, and uh, it was part of a visual gag for the, mm. for the breakfast club. And I got a surprising amount of ca like camera time, and um, there was a guy that was actually supposed to be dressed just like Judd Nelson from that right, movie. Right. But he was, he's not in, in, like as far as I could tell, he was not in, any of the episode at all whatsoever, the poor guy. Yeah. And it was kind of cool because 
when we shot that, and that was only like one of the one of two days I ever worked that season because yeah. I was in 20, let's say 2017, the fall of 2017, and um, Anime Weekend Atlanta had just happened, so I just I cosplay a little bit on the side, and I stick with street clothes cosplay. So I do a, something simple that I can kind of piecemeal bits and pieces of it with my regular wardrobe and it's not going to look too out of place and compared to this, what most hardcore cosplayers have to do and so like before that I've done like Wayne Campbell from Wayne's World so literally I just have a pair of ripped up jeans at the knee by old Chuck Taylor's a black t-shirt so I just literally ordered the Wayne's World hat and went to Megacon with that one year and then um so in 2017, I remember that uh, Judd Nel- I had that Judd Nelson style hair, and had missed out on season two of uh, working on season two of Stranger Things. Yeah. So when I did the Judd Nelson thing, like I had it all, th- you know, thrifted everything together and put it all together, and it worked fantastically. And I got lucky with some of the components of it. And so, uh, so when I went through the fitting and stuff, they saw that I had the stuff. And so when I on the day they gave me other clothes to wear and I was really bummed out because they gave the guy the actual Judd Nelson clothes and I had it with me like but look I got the stuff right here (laughs) I can do it I can do it let me do it and um, so I rolled with it I was with a buddy uh, named Eric he was with me on that scene and we had a lot of fun on that day and we just really played into it and we got to uh, play around with it we kind of did a little you know and I'm not uh, not to flex like the whole acting thing because we're just extras, but we did we did we played a character. We really did like have some fun with it. So that day working that day was really was really fun. But you probably see me I think on the second episode of Insatiable when she gets there. It's like the whole Breakfast Club gag, and that's um, they're in the Spanish class and you see me like twirling my pen and my right, fingers right, and right. stuff. And in the opening scene, I had my my boots boots right on the desk like. You know, laying back, being all cocky and shit, yeah, and yeah. Uh, just playing off my buddy, and it was uh, it was real. Uh, <laughs> that was that was a real fun one. That was good, man. Well, before I get into some questions with you, I just wanted to talk some movie news, get your thoughts. Um, so I'm gonna start with Michael Keaton. You heard he's back. Yes. The original Batman '89, first one. Well, not not first one because the first one, you know, is back uh, back in this black and white. Oh, uh, yeah, the first one, and then after that was uh, Adam West. After that was Adam West, but the first real like, you know, legit, studio, like, legit yeah, studio. studio film, Batman '89, Michael Keaton, Joker. You know, uh, I love that movie. yeah, it's such a good. You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? Oh, I love. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, and then yeah. you know that was referencing the Adam West one, and he just decks him anyway. It's, yeah. Oh God, the Prince soundtrack. <laughs> so, so, so what do you think? Are you excited? What, what do you think about this? I'm digging it. I'm just worried that because everything, everything that DC and Warner Brothers have been doing is mired with development hell, especially with Flashpoint and whatever. I mean, I don't know whatever happened with uh, Ezra Miller after that uh, incident happened right. somewhere that blew up on Twitter. But it seems like they're kind of going forward with they're it. Going and, forward and so, did the article say he's come? Is he going to be Thomas Wayne if they're doing Flashpoint, or is he going to be Bruce Wayne? They they haven't confirmed it. They just say he's back as Batman, so I think he's going to be Bruce. Because in the in BVS, you know, I had Jeffrey Dean Morgan as right. Thomas Wayne, right? And I really want to see him as a Thomas Wayne, the the the, the Flashpoint Batman, because right. he was awesome as a comedian. Yes. And Negan, so like 
Uh, so I don't want to lose that. That's, that's, like too, that's too good to not use. But if it's Bruce Wayne, I'm down with that too. But like, like what Kevin Smith said, famously kind of proposed that everybody would want, would kill to see. Right. I would rather see Michael Keaton as old Bruce Wayne if they were doing a Batman yes. Beyond movie. And if they were going to do a Batman Beyond movie, they better get the same people who did uh, Blade Runner 2049 to do it. That's true. Because that would be, you would make bank. It would guarantee to make a lot of money. And Robert Pattinson is not tied to this at all. No, I don't think so. Because I think because I'm vaguely familiar with the Flashpoint stuff, so it's going to be like the, all the multiverse stuff. Yeah. So they can. I see. I think I've seen some articles theorizing that Christian Bale they might be able to bring him back as another type Bruce Wayne doing the multiverse thing, Whoa. kind of doing a whole Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse thing. Which it is Warner Bros. So they might pull out all the stops. I mean, let's see how the uh, Snyder Cut, uh, how well received that is, so that they'll get it through the skulls not to screw with the production and not interfere too much because that ultimately ruined I think the Snyder Cut and the you know Wonder Woman 1984 can set the future for the movies to come the hype you know if it sucks or if it's bad or if it's blah people are not going to be as excited for you know the Michael Keaton and the Flashpoint uh, yeah I mean there's not much hype but the movies the past two the past few movies hasn't really been uh that and the real duds because I remember enjoying uh, Shazam when Shazam that came was out. great. I enjoyed um, that. Standalone, you know, and The Rock, The Rock, you know, as a uh, Black Adam. Black yeah. Adam, yes. God, I hope I hope the second wave of COVID here <laughs> in Atlanta because they're saying he's going to film here. Yes. God, I really hope we can get back to work for that because I I don't <laughs> want to be out of work and be you know yeah not be able to have, not have any money so I want to. Get back to work and work on that to have some sense of normalcy. <laughs> but no, it was like Shazam. I enjoyed. Yeah. I really liked Wonder Woman. I mm -hmm. I enjoyed that one. And uh, Aquaman was uh, Aquaman was great. I, I enjoyed that one too. So they they were kind of on a roll with things. I just hope they don't get a little too campy and try to be Marvel. But um, they can't be Marvel. I think they they already know they can't be Marvel because oh yeah after Endgame you can't really oh but Justice League yeah we know what happened with Justice League they tried to be Marvel they tried to be like the Avengers too quick too soon it, and it didn't work there wasn't enough backstory on these characters that we're finally getting a good backstory on Aquaman we're finally getting a good backstory on Wonder Woman Shazam okay we know now we know the backstory of Shazam and it could maybe tie together for the future to maybe. We really get to see dark side. That's what I'm hoping. Well, they're hinting that at the, the with the Snyder cut, there's like you know elements of that. There was actually supposed to introduce him, but I think in the, in the pre-production process, they even tanked that to go with uh, what is his name? Steppenwolf. Yeah, Steppenwolf. Like he, like Steppenwolf that. was still the is still the main villain of uh, Justice League. The thing was that they were supposed to introduce Dark Side as like the bigger you know as like, like the Thanos of, like, as the Thanos you know like in, in Guardians of the Galaxy you have Ronan the accuser yeah Ronan that would have been and Steppenwolf and Thanos Steppenwolf and Thanos the dark yep. side, yeah exactly but because you know kind of backtracking through the whole DCEU or whatever whatever they call it because apparently that's not what they use internally I am part of the people who enjoyed the hell out of Man of Steel yeah um could have been done better the only tragedy is that in that we missed an opportunity of getting a really cool live action Dragon Ball movie because Dude, you can easily trip, swap Zod for Vegeta, and that could have been the Saiyan Saga, and the whole thing on Krypton could have been Vegeta, but, you know, it's another thing. Um, but I enjoyed that, and I think that's part of that has to do with the fact that that was the only movie that was produced by Nolan right. before it went to Batman versus Superman, and that one, 
I got to say, they took way too, they, that was just no, there was no reason why they needed to throw in all the stuff that they did in Batman for Superman. BVS to me should have been like Heat from uh, 1995, Pacino, uh, right. Pacino De Niro, directed by Michael Mann. Now that movie was just like a cat and mouse between two opposing uh, right, people, right. like two people on the same wavelength. Yeah. That's what, that's what Batman versus Superman should have been with Clark and Bruce or Batman and Superman, yes. that be two guys on the same wavelength, where like when they meet at that party, it should have been like the coffee shop scene in Heat. Yeah. And they should have tied it together at the and <laughs> oh, they sh it never made sense to me why they would introduce Doomsday and kill off Superman in the second movie. Thank you, thank you. Like, why that soon? Like that in the comics? Like when Batman got or not when Batman, Superman gets killed by Doomsday. That was like a big deal. Like there was like a good there was several months to like maybe a couple of years I think when they didn't have Superman in the comics. Right. That was like a you know that's like. I guess similar to how like how everybody misses Tony Stark and you know with the Avengers yeah. and all that stuff and the, the absence of some of the chief characters. I mean that's like a that's a big deal. So that that didn't have the same emotional impact doing that too soon, yeah. without establishing everything else. And then um, I think the cast choice with Lex sucks because I know Jesse Eisenberg is really cool in real life. You know I've, I've had some yeah he's a, he's, he's one of those like, cool guys that doesn't watch his own movies. But Man, when the rumor was that Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad was going to be Lex, you have to cast him. There's no that that sets the bar way too high, and that would have been right. perfect. But even then, they 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 didn't they weren't really intelligent with how they could have handled the, you know, Jesse Eisenberg being Lex. And I was watching it one day with my mom, and she even came up with some ideas as to how they could have redone the story to make it look more legit to have a young guy like that be Lex right. and still kind of carry on in this. So, and then Justice League was a huge disappointment. So, everything's kind of loosely tied together, but not really with Shazam. But, so, but there is kind of like an up curve with the DC stuff. There is, yeah, they're, they're all tied together. I guess you can say as well as X-Men was tied together. You get me? Like, it didn't follow like a linear story, really. Everybody yeah. has their own problems, their own things going on. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, okay, we get Shazam. Hopefully he plays a bigger part because I've seen the, you know, cartoons where Shazam fights Superman. And, or he helps, or Superman helps Shazam fight Black Adam. Things like that I yeah. want to see. And as we know, Henry Cavill is back as Superman. Not as a leading role, but he's going to be a supporting role. So I'm thinking Black Good. Adam, Black Adam maybe? Or I hope. I mean, they could tap into the, the, the Superman's weakness against magic, and that's, uh, as far as I can yeah, tell, that's... Yeah, Superman is too strong. That's yeah, he's OP, strong. so, like, magic is like really his only, like, aside from kryptonite, that that's his other, <laughs> his other kryptonite is magic, but uh, uh, I'm happy to see, I'm happy as hell to see Henry Cavill back. I mean, he's, 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 he's great, and he needed, uh, if anything, the material suffered from it, if, if you have any complaints, but he's, like, a fantastic, and he's a great guy. He's a, he, you know he cares about the character and he likes, yeah, yeah. you know, he has a genuine um, desire to stay as the character. Um, but once, you, once you're put into like a million reshoots, you know, and doing this and, okay, now the story's gonna go this way. And you're like, what the, what the hell's going on, you know? Yeah, I kind of... You kind of, you, then you kind of don't want to be there anymore. You, you're doing it because you have a contract, but you know, you signed up for this and you're getting this and it's like, I understand with all the rumors and everything that was going on, 
I'm happy he came back. I feel like he came back because of Snyder. I feel like. Yes, and um, honestly, Warner should have been more considerate. Honestly, if now having the benefit of hindsight, knowing how the Whedon, uh, how that turned out, and just how much of a dud it was in the middle of the busy schedule, right before lead up to like Infinity War. Warner Brothers should have been smarter to just de delay the movie and let Snyder sort of take his time to mourn with his tragic uh, family, yeah. uh, you know, the family tragedy they had to deal with during shooting that they could, they should have just put a hiatus on it and that would have been. It's the studio system, you know? Like, you know, New Mutants, how many times has that been oh, delayed? God. Oh my God, like, how many times has that been delayed? And then uh, Gambit, dude. Oh, yeah. We're, we're never going to get that. There's no way we're going to get that. Well, right? To be fair, that never really made sense to me to begin with to make that his own movie because he wasn't, you know. It's because they had Channing Tatum behind it. So once you have a leading Hollywood actor like that, I feel like they can try to make it work. It's like, to me, it's like kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Nobody didn't care about it. It wasn't the most popular Marvel comic, but it worked. So I think they were trying to make it work with Gambit, but it just, it just never came to light. It never happened. It's, it's one of those things where like the studio system, and they should have done that with Justice League, but it was way too big of a movie. Too many, you know. They rushed it. I mean, they tried to introduce Cyborg and bring in. Uh... Did you hear about the actor who did Cyborg? What he said about Josh Whedon? No, I didn't. I didn't hear about the specific. I only saw like the thumbnails and stuff from. Uh, well, from like, the just of it is just that. Doing Comic Con, he said, "Oh, Josh Williams is a great director. You know, he's gonna take over the project and he's gonna finish it. And he's like a great guy. And then he's like, I, I take everything back I said. He was a horrible director. He was like a tyrant, pretty much. You know, he wasn't he wasn't like easy to work with. And then he said, uh, accountability over entertainment. That, those were those were his. I quote that. Those were his words." accountability over entertainment like making him accountable for how the way he acted and he did i don't know but he just came out with that he took everything that he said about you know the way he how good he talked about it maybe it was for the press of justice league but yeah obviously i mean you can't really uh yeah the studios have shut you shut you right the fuck down if you start disparaging whatever project is coming up during the press thing and i think it's because you know because snyder got control of his movie again and you know they gave him the money to finish it. You know the actor who did Cyborg, he's not like he's, yeah. It's probably sticking to the original vision he signed up for. Exactly. That, that exactly signed up for. That's one. That's one I think I'm scared about being an actor because, uh, oh my god, before <laughs> I would have I would have given anything to be part of the Star Wars project. <laughs> I mean, the Mandalorian people got lucky to be attached on that project, and it turned out to be so good. And even the Rogue One people, it turned out that oh, yeah, Solo was okay. Stop. See, I can't bring myself to watch it. See, okay, Solo, here's the thing. We had uh, Star Wars fatigue. I'm not going to get too much into it, but... Not Solo, fatigue. There's too much bad Star Wars. I had, I had Star Wars fatigue because it was like that, Rogue One, and then Solo. I was like, okay, Kazmatu. And they also had to get... Um, oh, they had to replace the Warden uh, Miller with uh, Ron Howard. Ron Howard. So Ron Howard stepped in to finish it. You know, reminds and they reshoot, of, almost reshot the entire movie. Reminds me of Justice League. And then... So you got this movie that's entertaining, but once you compare it and you you have it's Star Wars canon. So I think that's the problem people had. But as a as a standalone movie, it was fun. But then when you tie it to oh, that's how he got the name Solo. You haven't seen it, right? 
I know this scene and I... You, can't, can't say it? <laughs> it's... it's Why? Was it even necessary to even show you how he got his name? Couldn't he just have had that name to begin with? Thank you. Couldn't, they, couldn't they, they just name him from the beginning from when he was a kid? Han Solo? Han, last name. Don't have one. Ah, traveling alone. Solo. So they know Spanish? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, that's uh, that. I mean. They, they know Spanish? So <laughs> that's sp- true. Spanish yeah. is canon in Star Wars. So, yeah, it's so Spanish. Is, oh, just, I mean, Space Boston with Bill Burr and the Mandalorian. I guess there's, there's a Space Boston with that accent and then. And, uh, Space Boston. <laughs> in the galaxy far, far away. So, yeah, so, I guess. So, no. Spanish, solo. Solo, which means alone in English. What does space Mexico look like? Is it, is it all yellow tinted everywhere? <laughs> space Mexico, just this big dust cloud of yellow. Once you step in, <laughs> I mean, it's so different from like Tatooine or wherever the desert is planets, planets have had before. And they probably have some stories there, but they don't want to show it because it's not politi- politically correct. <laughs> probably the ideals me or it's Obi Wan, <laughs> something like that. Obi Wan. It's Obi Wan. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> of space Mexico. <laughs> oh god, it's such. Oh god, we might lose a follower for this, but it's okay. <laughs> I'm going from 20 to 19. It's fine. That's fine, but it's fine, dude. Not, um, but getting into that, dude, just uh, all these uh, reshoots and things, man, it's just it's crazy. And then that's why a lot of directors get in fights with studios. There's a thing called the studio system, and it just sometimes it works for Avengers, the way you know Kevin Feige worked it out. And then sometimes it just does not <laughs> And they get into fights with the directors, the producers. It's just this crazy thing, man. And I haven't yet worked on a set where that has happened before. Not quite, I don't think. Not from the studio. I mean, there is some sort of like a change, but I, I, that's something, not something I Did like. Did you work on Godzilla King of the Monsters? One day. Okay. One yeah. day ever. Now I heard, now, you know, okay, never mind. I scratched that. I do remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. And that was actually a. Um, it's funny because I worked at the Fenway scene on that movie. We filmed all day in the middle of the summer, and it was so hot over there at the... Forgot the sketch nearby here where this where, where we're at right now. Uh, OFS. Yeah. On the shipping container area. They, they you know, made it all blue screen and stuff. But I heard so much stories about uh, what the, the director wanted, last-minute shots. Right. That would have taken much more would have required much more planning and stuff to actually shoot right, right, right. you know and they didn't have like the even the set wouldn't the set itself wouldn't allow it because it didn't you know like if you're going to do a 360 degree like michael bay like yeah. uh steady cam shot and an empty plot where they only just have like part of like a chinook or osprey whatever that whatever the hell they were using and then like make it some sort of like a FEMA evacuation scene and filming in Atlanta for Fenway. You're not, they didn't, they didn't have blue screen surrounding the entire set because they had to have a section so they can right. ferry in crew and equipment and all that. Yeah. And like anybody who's anybody on a set would know that that's, you can't do that. You have to, that would take like three hours of setup to move, to right. set all that up. And so like, I've, yeah, I did, I, so I do hear, I did hear about that after the fact. I was there. That was my whole 2017 summer. That was my summer. Godzilla. Lucky. <laughs> it's a hair, man. It's a hair. They needed the short hair. 
But there's some things like stranger things I can't get because I, I like my hair shorter and they're just like, no. Again, that's what the Judd Nelson thing, that's what the Judd Nelson thing really freaking paid off, paid the spades because I was in uh, season three and that was probably some of the most fun I've had on any set. Um, just because for the people that I met and just how much we were able to play on that set, it was so, yeah. So cool, man. How many, uh, how long did you work on Stranger Things? Collectively, it probably worked like maybe a month and a half solid of, of that many working days. That's so. that's a lot for shooting guys. Like for the people who don't work in the film industry, that's a lot. Usually we're working, we're looking for work daily. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. We're usually looking for, because we're considered pretty much freelancers, day players, that's what it's called in the industry. And it's like, that means we get like a contract for the day. And they get they take out taxes from our payment for the day, not for the week or anything like that. Yeah, we get paid daily. You take out taxes daily, so to get booked for like a month, month and a half on the show is a big thing. And so, and there's did, uh, was it mostly mall scenes? Or? Mall and the pool, the community pool. Um, that was fun because uh, that had a couple of reshoots. Because ironically, it was rainy when it was supposed to be sunny. Yeah. That fake rain on like one of the last days. Because it was supposed to get rained out sometime. Funny enough, I hardly work, watch anything I work on because I work on so much it's hard to keep up. But, right. uh, you know, uh, one of the last day, the last day that year, I remember it was in 2018. And that year, the last day, it was like in September, hey, hell, maybe in October, it was like early fall. They had like one last day of reshoots. So they recalled all the extras that worked that day. So I got through on my uh, short H&M style, short... <laughs> swim trunks that I regret not ordering off of H&M because the next year they had a, a line there and they didn't have the same shorts that I wore that I actually literally wore on that show Damn. and uh, but oh my god it was so nice because it was hot lathered in sunscreen wow I spent like half the day swimming and the it was perfect because <laughs> it was like the last warm day that year right. before it started staying cool, getting cool and staying cool yeah and man it was uh, I was kind of sore because I don't <laughs> I don't really work out much so it's like <laughs> Our sources from the amount of swimming we had to do. Did you get a wet bump? No, I don't think so. Okay, guys. Probably, so yeah. A wet bump uh, is pretty much when you get rained on in the scene. And there's a smoke bump, driving bump, wet bump, things like that. So you didn't get one? Nude bump? No, I did <laughs> yeah. not. I did not. Did not then. And then I worked a scene that I ultimately kind of regret not work, uh, regret working because. Uh, it was one of the 4th of July scenes, but it was in the neighborhood. It wasn't at the festival. And I was supposed to be with a partnered up because they were asking for like kissing couples. So I had a friend that I met that, that asked her to come with me on that for the bump because you get a kissing bump. Yeah, yeah. Kissing and we did. But that day I managed to score $6 lawn seats for the final tour for Slayer that were playing that night in Atlanta. Night. And I thought it was gonna be a day shoot and it turned out to be a night shoot and I didn't wanna bail on it because I didn't wanna screw my friend over with like bump and all this because we, we went through the trouble getting fitted for that day. And we, we ultimately just did a whole lot of nothing and that didn't even make it into the show. And just uh, looking back and looking how stacked that lineup was on that concert that night because Anthrax was playing with them and six dollar lawn. Oh my god, that that kills me that I didn't but get did to. Did you get the bump? Yeah, I think so. But it was just like it would honestly. Yeah. For how, dude, 
to miss Slayer on their last tour and I'd never seen them live. Really? It's, dude, it was, I don't know how crazy those concerts can get, so like I was pretty safe getting a lawn spot, but I should have gone, man. <laughs> that was the biggest bummer, man. That was, oh yeah, it's one of those things where like, you get, you get booked for something good, but something better comes along, even if it's another show or another movie. And uh, that happens to me all the time. These are Stranger Things. Uh, you worked the mall scenes, correct? Yes, almost all of them. Let me just ask you very quick. Was there people trying to get in that wasn't working? Yes, there are a lot of looky-loos. Um, but they had the area cordoned off. There's some people that are trying to get in, not because it was a set, but because there was one store that was open that had the, the indoor entrance we were blocking off because it was like an old like uh, atrium right. that uh, they... Uh, that they were filming and that they turned into an 80s food court. And by me, an 80s food court, I mean, if you watch the show, it, it's been a straight up 80s. Um, and uh, yeah, they, we had some, what they call bogeys, which is pretty much any unauthorized personnel on the set. That's, you know, when they do a lockdown and stuff and they pretty much ruin the shot. You know, home, that happens a lot in the downtown Atlanta with homeless people and all that when crackheads. Shoot, when they shoot outside, yeah. it happens a lot. Like, let me tell you really quick, without messing up the story too much, uh, we shot Avengers Infinity War in Atlanta, of course. Uh, homeless guy comes by, he says, I think it was... Um, Which... So it was, it was, uh, <laughs> and it was Tony Stark, the Hulk, and uh, the guy from, um, that's with Doctor Strange. Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch? No, but the other guy, the... Oh, um, uh, Wong? Wong. So some guy comes and he's like, you're no God, you're not the real God, the real God's out there. And he just started screaming that. And they're like, God, and he's like, you ain't no God, you're no real God. I'm like, whoa, what's that? Oh, so it was a, okay, so I worked Infinity War as a production assistant doing street lockdowns. So it was like two days of that, which was yeah. a lot of fun, which I'm really happy for. Uh, There's another person that I knew yeah. who hooked me up with the gig and uh, another guy who was uh, who works around sets around here hooked me up with the same gig too so yeah. might hit them up for <laughs> i might hit them up for uh, uh gigs if i don't come up with many acting stuff but anyways um it was in the washington square park scene with uh where where, where bruce banner's trying to get the hulk out after they uh like they, where he splits the uh, cabin half and he falls yes. through the portal and then uh yeah but it was all second unit stuff which means it's like it's not the main unit with the main directors they're just doing inserts for like stunt stuff so that's like it's usually stunt people not even the main actors working it you know it's all green screen and the mocap suits and whatnot so it was not that so but it was in the middle of downtown atlanta in july and we had to do street lockdowns and we you know we're not cops so we can't really like detain people we just have to politely ask hey hey we're filming here so if you could just we're rolling here so if you could just hold up real quick and then the other, all right, cool. Thank you for waiting up, you know. And uh, we had a fair share of like homeless people just loitering around and stuff. And you know, on a set, you, there's always snacks right, hanging right. around and stuff. But one day, a crackhead climbed a sculpture. No. And right by the big Coca-Cola sign in this right, park right. in park in downtown Atlanta, and they had to stop filming for about 30, 45 minutes because like the cops and the fire department had to come in to get this guy down and stuff. It was it was a trip. But yeah, so that's an example of a bogey. Is like somebody running around in the background that's like not supposed to be there. So no bogeys on that mall. It was just people who were regular shoppers in that dying mall that happened to be passing by and asking questions. And you're never supposed to tell them what they're actually filming there. But uh, yeah, it, it, 
Yeah. You wish they kept them all that way? Yeah, just so that, just, you know what, you, then they could have just made it like a tourist attraction. Thank you. To keep that mall alive. I mean, it's a, it's a dying, they're going to get rid of it anyway from what I hear to make room for a cricket arena. Yeah, apparently there's a lot of like Indian people around this part yeah, of town yeah, that, yeah. that that they're, they're actually bank fr like uh, uh, fronting the money to build a cricket That's arena. True. So yeah, but they, you know, not that they could though, because I think they wreck it at the end of the season anyway. So like they couldn't really keep it there anyway. And, right. And there's too many vandals. They can't really man security there. I mean, that would have been a cool tourist attraction though. You know, like the Walking Dead tour, the, the movie yeah. in Atlanta. That would have been one of the cool stops. But no, the following year. Like the following summer, because it took a while after filming season three before it actually aired. Right. That they had, uh, they still kept it there at the mall because we were filming another thing at that same mall. And uh, there, the, the PA said, some of you here were working on uh, Stranger Things, so you know what we're talking about, but do not go there. That is technically Netflix property and they will prosecute you and all that stuff. So it's like, I think they kept it there, not just like a just in case, in case of something they had right. to do like reshoots. Yeah. You know, uh, before they actually really dismantle everything when they know for sure that it's for sure done. Right. Um, yeah, but they were, there's no looky-loos, but um, I think there's not a whole lot of guessing work had to be done because AJC sometimes publishes news as to where people, where they're filming. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're pretty on the ball with that kind of thing. So they, uh, so wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise me that there was security guards trying to stop uh unauthorized people getting on the set but this that's a hard guess if you're not there because there's all all the extras of permed hairs and the 80s clothes just you know waiting outside the set for yeah I don't think and holding the, yeah the style changed that quickly you know back to the 80s but that, that's a good segue you said ajc because uh that had to that had to do a lot with another movie you worked on yes <laughs> yes you know what i'm talking about right richard jewell richard jewell which, that was we're not happy the way they were portrayed in uh, yeah with uh, what's what's what, oh I forgot her name um, the journalist that Olivia Wilde played yeah, um, yeah I'll, I'll Elizabeth, Elizabeth Scruggs I think Kathy Scruggs I think that's her name it's been a while it's a good movie good big fantastic movie great movie um, Kathy Bates made me cry in a couple of times because I've been around uh, I've been around like growing up in Texas and then living in Florida and in here and stuff I've been around folksy southern you know mothers families and mothers mothers like that and she really like she really played that character well so there's like there was one scene in particular man i got that got me choked up because yeah. i could really feel the motherly you know care and emotion yeah. from her but um yeah so richard jewell directed by clint eastwood that should have made more money than it did they're dying just quickly they're they're like a dying breed of directors you know like with scorsese and like directors from that era which i hope they they make movies for us oh yeah and I don't mean dying literally because of age. <laughs> right. No, not because of age. Literally because of the way the streaming services are work, are working now. You know, they have to. Those type of movies have to go more towards streaming now because. Theaters, uh, you know. Honestly, I mean, those. I mean, Richard Jewell could have easily been put on Netflix with under the same kind of uh, under the same kind of uh, budgeting, and it would have right. made. He would have. I mean, so there's a market for that kind of thing because um, I like. And honestly, some of the Clint Eastwood sets, I'd say, are probably the, some of the best sets to work on. I've worked on them twice, uh, like about two weeks worth on J Richard Jewell. How was that? How was that? That okay. was... Okay, so if you've, like, watched, if you've been to film school, worked on movie sets, or watched behind-the-scenes stuff, you kind of have to get a vague idea as to how much goes into filming on location. And we have what's called cattle calls, which is, like, big, big populated scenes that require 
hundreds of extras. And this was at night, and they filmed at Olympic uh, uh, Centennial Park in downtown Atlanta, where the actual Olympic uh, bombing happened in, in, right. in 1996, I believe. Yes. And it was about like two weeks worth of shooting here. And downtown Atlanta, so you know the traffic sucks. <laughs> so I figured, oh my God, like I know, because Colleen Eastwood is he's a real streamlined, quick shooter. He is, those sets, peak efficiency, like every movie set should probably operate like his does, because everybody's, everybody's on their A game. Yeah. And not because they want to kiss ass to, it's not so much they want to kiss ass to Clint Eastwood, but because it's Clint freaking Eastwood. He's a legend. He's a legend. So like, yeah. not, it's out of respect to him that everybody's just on their best behavior and they want to do their thing and really, really be on their game because you you don't want to you don't want to let down Clint Eastwood. I mean, that's you want to you want to do him proud. So no. everybody. So, and I could say that for a lot of the extras, we were all really well behaved. So those nights, it's a period piece of like a terrorist attack, yeah. shot at night in downtown Atlanta on location. That's, you know, it's a period piece, meaning that, you know, you have to get everybody in period costume and hair and makeup and, ma and hair, all that makeup, stuff. Period costume and everything. And it was actually shot in the actual real location where it well, like About like a couple of hundred yards because they actually have like oh, a yeah. monument and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they did a really good job recreating it because there was, uh, I met an extra there who was, who actually worked as a volunteer as a as the staff there the night it went off. Oh, wow. She even had her, uh, on her lanyard, she had her work badge from 96. And like a directory of all the pager numbers and stuff and payphone shit for all the people that were working with her company. She worked at the uh, American Heart Association, which was yeah. like right around the corner from there. And uh, she was lucky enough to talk to uh, Paul Walter Hauser and, uh, and Clint Eastwood because she happened to be there that night that it happened. And she had left like minutes before the bomb went off. She actually told me she stood a couple of yards away, like five feet away from where the actual bag was and really? she remarked how other people were leaving their bags here too and there was like a this is pre-war on terror but there was still like you know unattended packages and yeah, stuff yeah. I mean there was still like a threat there I guess because of Unabomber and okay, Oklahoma yeah. City and all that stuff so I guess there was like still a kind of a threat in their minds about that and so like um, I'm getting off on the tangent with this quick story yeah but she had like there was a concert the band was like meh <laughs> and so there's like, hey, let's get out of here and they got out earlier so they were half a block away from there when some guy got out of a cab and then they heard the explosion boom down the corner and she said that she, that's what they saw and they just dived into the freshly open emptied cab they just dove in and said go 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 and they went to the <laughs> neighborhood over there been uh, by like ponce uh, i think like right. the highlands or some uh, wherever and then um i mean i'm not sure how many you know, this is her story not mine so i don't want to give out too many details but the she flipped on the news and saw it everywhere it's like on the way to back to her house emergency vehicles just coming in yeah coming in like going the other way where she was just leaving and stuff Damn. and um so she was that was really fascinating to talk to her about that but anyways so you think with all those it being at night it being a cattle call in the middle of downtown you had to park elsewhere by the uh world congress center and bus everybody on all these charter buses and stuff yeah. and that's just like it takes a while for all those big buses to move through downtown drop everybody off get everybody signed in the long lines, get checked in with wardrobe, get fed and all that, and then yeah, yeah. repeat that same process getting out. Oh, man. Dude, with the exception of one night, because we spent most of the night getting rained out, every night ended within the 10-hour mark, just like any other night on a Clint Eastwood set. Like, yeah. he 
knows exactly what the hell he wants. He knows what he wants. Two to three takes per take and moving on. And when we moved, when they moved on, because you have to move like all the equipment and video village and all that stuff. In that park, an AD, um, I'm running a blank on his name right now and it sucks because he's an awesome guy. But he, like everybody loves him on the set. So he got up on the thing and just said, everybody, and nobody, nobody it was a concert too. So you'd think everybody would be chit-chatting. No, everybody right. stayed quiet. Like every Clint Eastwood said, if it's nice <laughs> and quiet, nobody, it's not like a lot of shushing. Like right, exactly. everybody's hush versus a dull roar. He get yeah, up, everybody, nice. get up. We're going to move over here. They all did. They all did. Like a conductor. It, 15 minutes, they moved the stuff. All right, everybody back to where we were, filming. Do three takes, boom, cut. <laughs> do a few, a few little adjust angles, right, right, so you right. swap out the lenses and stuff and do that. And then they, uh, they move again. It's smooth. Smooth as hell. It was like... Dude, when he speaks, you listen. Exactly. One, when Clint Eastwood speaks, you listen. And I'm not going to get on a big story. All I'm going to say is... He is the healthiest, I think he's 88 now, 87, he's 88. Pushing, he's coming into his 90s. Yeah. Well, when I worked with him on um, 15, 17 in Paris, I'm just going to say he was 87. Healthiest 87-year-old I've ever seen. I remember uh, he just wanted to see what the scene looked like from the top of the bar. Oh, you were in that same club scene? Yeah. yeah Dude, I, I was in the, it was right by the Atlanta, uh, not Atlantic Station, um, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Uh, Limburg. Yes. Limburg. It was, a, it was this club that I've, we've, I've shot there a few times before for other club scenes. Tongue and Groove. Tongue and Groove, I think, yeah. yeah. Not the Golden Tongue and Groove, we're in the corner. And, um, dude, everybody was quiet. And I was with this chick that I was seeing. That was, that's a long story. But, anyways, but Clay Eastwood is the only person I see on set. I see, like, I see people, like, oh, that's cool. That's a, oh, cool. That, there they are. They're there. Clint Eastwood is the only one I get starstruck. I get like, oh my god, holy shit, that's Clint Eastwood. Holy fuck, that's Clint Eastwood. That's Clint fucking Eastwood. Dude, he walked by, and he was just—he's not as tall as he used to be. He's—he's you know, he's, he's getting up there, he's so it's kind of novice. Like he's just, but he was quietly, and he didn't even have much of a handler or anything like that to mosey on through the crowd. But he was going there, and he made eye contact. And since my last experience when I eyeballed uh, Sebastian Stan on Itania for too long and didn't recognize him because he came back from a makeup test so I didn't know it was him. So rather than say nothing like I did that time, Clint Eastwood coming by on 1517, I was just like, I just made eye contact and I was just, hi, and he goes like, hi, hey, how's everybody doing over here? And he just kind of mosey. You, you see, lucky punk? <laughs> I've seen, I know other people who worked on a set either who's actually spoken to them and it's just like, I, before he goes, I want to talk to him. Hey, but you gotta like. Uh... He said hi to me, so that's. He said hello to him. I just, I just looked at him, and I, a word couldn't come out. But I was just like. But he had, he, he has that, that twinkle on his eye and that smirk, that kind of little, that half smile that he does. That he's got that trip, and he's like that. He's having fun on set because he's kind of looking and not micromanaging, but right, he's right. just, he's, he's just in it. And I think that's what keeps him active is being a director. Because if he stops too long, I mean, you get up there in the ears, the ears, he stop. Yeah. Fucking age catches up to you. But once again, 87-year-old hops on the top of the bar. My dad's 56, and he can't even, like, hop on the bed. Yeah, he's, I mean, for, for, he's pretty, he's pretty, not spry, but he's just, like, he's not, he's got, you know, he's, he's got a few more years. He's, he's doing well. But, yeah, he's got, he's got, there's a little bit of a smile on him when he's looking on the monitor behind the camera guy on the handheld thing, and he's just, he, he's, he's involved. He's old school, and, you know, he's. It's Clint. 
It's, yeah, it's clean. And then, like, they, they go so long to where they don't even get a meal penalty because we're not even broken for lunch. But by the, we're, they wrap early enough to where they feed us dinner on our way home. Yeah. You know, and that's how it was every night on, uh, on Jewel. And even when we, like, we didn't have to wait too long for the buses. It was just the only time that we had to go into the uh, College Hall of Fame because it got rained out. And yeah. even, even in this massive tent they had, and it was a massive tent. Like, it had its own giant, like, commercial size. <laughs> AC units in there. Yeah. To uh, it's funny on that set, uh, a couple extra older, a couple extras uh, that know me. She she uh, crocheted me in a little afghan. It was it was awesome that she gave that to me. That set. Funny, I had a funny profile picture. He the the guy. This couple, he snapped the photo of me like, like this with my blanket on that set, and my giant ass throne of a chair that I use everywhere on my uh, on sets. <laughs> I, I try to post some pictures. It's a, it's a fat, magnificent chair and it's kind of sold out everywhere. I want to get a, I want to get a replacement because it is getting worn out. But uh, it's, it is small. His chair's huge. It's yeah. This chair is actually a little bigger. I mean, it's probably about as wide, as but wide it's it's bigger at the top so I can yeah. so I can hold my head up while I'm napping so I don't have to have an ottoman for my legs. So I can just literally just, <laughs> just do this. But because um, there's a lot of hurry up and wait on that right, on sets, right. so like you can uh, have a lot of nap times, I guess. But Clean Eastwood, man. That was, that was one of the highlights of my background actor career. Uh, meeting and getting to see Clint Eastwood. And you got to say hello to him. But just seeing him, seeing him work, seeing somebody do their craft. It's like seeing Picasso paint, something like that. And honestly, and by the end of that, those two weeks and stuff, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the assistant... The, the key PA, the, the background guy that was in charge of all of us, he just, he kind of relayed a message from Clint when he wrapped at Centennial Park and he said like that we were the best extras he's worked with, you know, and it's part of the reason why he likes coming here, probably because of the conservative values that's still kind of retained in Georgia, but also just because it's like we're, you know, we, we, we're pretty good workers. We're not prima donnas, but yeah, now, maybe, maybe when we started, uh, when the film industry started getting big here with The Walking Dead, but now... People are pretty professional about it, uh, I believe. There's people that have been in, in this forever, man. But, you know, I'm coming up on, uh, wow, four years of doing this. Coming up in November, I'm coming up on four years. This is my sixth year on and off. I took a year or two off, but sixth year on and off. And on a, I mean, I, I, at least I'd want to get an actual like acting thing going. Well, how do you feel about, there's an article that came out saying that not right away, but extras are going to start to disappear. That's going to be a sad day. Um, I've met a lot of people, a lot of wonderful people on working here in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, it was like one of the best things I've done in my life is to move up here to work. And it's going to be sad because sometimes cattle calls is going to be really fun. I mean, I had a blast on Stranger Things, so to think that stuff like that is not going to be possible anymore was... Yeah, they're going to rewrite some scripts to where it has little to no people at all. So we're going to be fighting for roles now more. I will see, I will say, because, you know, the stadium scenes, the big crowded scenes, just, at least for now. Until I, it comes out. I think push comes to shove. I think Georgia is going to be the first one to be a little bit more loose with the rules compared to uh, New York and L.A. Right. Because we're, we're a right-to-work state, so they have a little bit more leeway to do that with and us. they build so much infrastructure. Oh, but not only that, with this COVID stuff, I mean, eventually it's going to... It's going to... I mean, we got a, we got a crap ton of new cases, but it's like... There's so much funky data going on and stuff. Like, I think eventually they're going to... That's not going to stick. Right. I really don't think, because there's going to be demand for legit movies yeah. and stuff. And you can't fake that kind of production value. It's, a, it's not like 
like for example, I was on Avengers Endgame. I got uh, CGI'd. So they oh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they scanned. That's what they did on a. I worked Infinity War twice, and the one time I did it, it was in Valentine's Day, 2017. I was on the very back of Peter Parker's school bus when you get the Spidey senses. And if we filmed all day for that day for only to be like 30 seconds in the movie, and it sucks because I could have. They cut my shot short because it, the camera stopped right on me because oh. it was supposed to be like where all the windows come down on the bus. Like, Holy shit! Look Why at this. You see the hair. <laughs> no, you not even because I'm so far in the back of the bus, you can't even see me beyond the people. But like, I was so stoked because I had good camera time. Where like it stopped right on me, and I was supposed to be the chief reacting. I'm like, oh my god, look at the. Th-. If Sam Raimi directed it, because I know Sam Raimi likes to use extra, you know, you know, money shots, <laughs> reaction shots for extras, right, right. he would have kept the shot of me in. I'm, I'm pretty sure that if that was a Sam Raimi thing, it would have right. done. But yeah, I was bummed out. But I got to say. Um, I'd asked Tom Holland to see what was on his shirt that day, and his uh, friend, uh, uh, I think, I don't know if his friend's name was Ned or Jacob. I'm from getting the actor and the character name confused. He was cool. He was cool as hell. Because, you know, he does, well, we're all going to die. He runs to the back of the bus, and he goes to sit behind me on the back of the bus here, and he just kind of, you know, and it's just like, it, he, was, he was cool as hell. And I kind of just uh, said, hey, man, congratulations. This is a cool gig. I mean, now I can't wait for Homecoming. This is even before Homecoming came out, and I was like, dude, can't wait to see it. He was, a, he was a real cool guy, and that day, uh, Robert Downey and uh, Bautista, they both visited the set, and uh, we were all ogling us, all those extras and stuff, because, oh, God, it's freaking, it's freaking Rob Downey and stuff, and I was like, right, right. they were watching, and I was like, guys, we got to ham it up. Rob Downey Jr.'s here, so we got to really show <laughs> Well, yeah, but it was just fascinating to see him and the Russo brothers work with yeah. Tom Holland. That was like, that was, that was a treat. Exactly. That was, that was another day where everybody was on their A game and everybody had such yeah. a real good attitude. Nobody was, a, nobody was an asshole. Nobody was uh, oh, no, complaining. No. It was just like everybody was... Everybody was happy to be on those sets. Yeah. Even if, it's, if you were deep background running away or... If, uh, I did two scenes. In Infinity War, I was running away and I was uh, military in the 70s when they went back to the oh, 70s. Oh, you were there. Yeah, I know. Um... And with Ricky. Oh, yeah. You're Ricky, who I've interviewed on the show, he's uh, standing for Ralph Macho. He was with me on uh, Avengers Endgame, and we were both in the 70s scene. So we got to see Robert Downey Jr. hug his dad. And we were freaking out because we didn't know what was going on. Obviously, we didn't have a script. We just see Howard Stark you know, and Tony Stark hugging. I'm like... Time trap? Yeah. That's when we're like, okay, either this is a vision or it's time travel. And then eventually we found that it was time travel, but we were freaking out. We're like... Is that how we're starting? And he's alive, and I, and it was just the freakiest, like biggest, like spoiler, but still didn't like it didn't ruin anything for us because we had no idea what was going on. They were really secretive, you know. They take your phone from when you get in. Some Marvel sets take your phone. Oh, that some, one. Some of the some of them lock them up in like little security pouches. Some of them have this cool. They have this uh, security tape. Yeah, and the one I still have one from my laptop from Ant Man vs Wasp, because they, they had the little shield logos on it. Right, right. So rather than handle like try to handle all these phones from people, they just wrap the tape these tamper tamper proof, uh, you know, because if you lift the tape, it says void, so you know, so they know if somebody's phone got fucked with. But they they just wrap it around the lenses on all everybody's phone so that they don't Can step. Ask you something, and then be honest. It's okay. Uh, did you keep any little props from Avengers? Avengers? 
No, I didn't even work Endgame, man. I was so disappointed. I wanted to work Endgame. Well, I'll tell you. I have a, a buddy. I'm not going to mention his name. I don't know if he wants me to. So we were in that 70s scene, right? And as we know from the movie, Peggy Carter is alive, right? In the 70s. We were military police. I'll post a picture. And there were letters. Just I think they were made done by crew or, you know, just like uh, set decorators. And there were, it's like uh, intelligence letters or just le- reports, like, like military reports. And at the bottom said, uh, Peggy Carter. Oh, so man. my buddy kept one. And when I was about to keep one, and I don't want to get in trouble for this, but I didn't, you know, PAs came and ADs. So I didn't get to keep it. But he folded it up, put it in here. So he has a letter at home from the Avengers Endgame set. That from a letter, a military report that says signed Peggy Carter. It has, he's got to frame it. He, uh, he probably it. has a frame. I'll ask him. But I, I can't remember if he had a signature but, or not. But at the bottom of the letter, you know, like in the typewriter, it said Peggy Carter. I was freaking out when I saw that. I'm like, this is in a way canon. There's so much from sets and stuff that they... Uh toss out when a movie's done but man they would like studios make so much money or they can raise so much money for charity and stuff that they auction off every piece because there's so many nerds who want to have actual right. stuff from set from like actual things that was on the set in the movie that was screen used that they would hey you know. I, I have a couple walking dead bullets stuff yeah, like I that pick up show casings, uh, i pick up brass sometimes but uh, well let me uh switch it over a little bit from marvel to dc because mm-hmm. we can talk about this a lot but August 22nd, there's going to be a DC fandom event. Obviously online. But it's going to be like a little Comic Con, but only for DC things. New trailers are going to come out. Uh, Zack Snyder is going to appear. Uh, Rock is going to talk about Black Adam. James Gunn is going to talk about Suicide Squad, which we worked on. But we cannot talk about what we saw, what we did. But let me just tell you guys, me and Kevin we got to... We worked a lot on that. We worked a lot. Nights and days. We worked a lot of days, and it was a lot of fun. Everything we saw, like I said, we won't talk about it until it comes out, but Dude, oh my God. I was so pissed that some pe- I wasn't there the day people got bumped. But it's the freaking hair, because I, th- I thought I was going to be cast for one thing, and then they went to the fitting, and I was like, I, I thought I was going to be something else, because I got this, and this is not for what we're... Right, right. supposed to be <laughs> and they didn't say anything about it but I think I was too close to camera and they saw my ponytail yeah and they wanted to move deeper for the other extras and stuff so I don't even think I even I, 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 even if I wanted to I probably couldn't have done it but it would have been in Spanish and that would have been my second time right of doing something in Spanish and I was like what what I gotta ask you though because like I said we can't describe it but what were your initial thoughts on the set on both sets we worked on oh yeah it was impressive right i was impressive i'm not gonna lie i'm just i'm just pissed that i got passed up for the training for the uh oh man because there were so many people who had the the real shit that had no business right carrying because they were not (laughs) being safe at all and that that apparently that it screwed us out of being getting all those bumps because now they they had to pretty much move it to stump people to do that and, uh, yeah, you know, you have these massive sets, and even James Gunn said they're some of the most impressive sets I've ever been on. So for him, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy... You know, I have so many stories to tell from that set. I hope I don't forget them, because there have been... No. 
all the people we work with. When the movie comes out, I want to have uh, like one of these interviews, and we're gonna talk about everything we did on there. Like I said, guys, we can't not talk about it. Maybe if the trailer comes out and the trailer shows some of the things we did, we can kind of talk about how fun our experience was on there. But that's about it, guys. For now, very hush hush. You know, we signed contracts, <laughs> but it was fun. I auditioned for it. Met the guy who got the thing that I got, and I'm kind of glad he got it because it was a more of a is a bigger thing that I yeah. thought it was going to be when I read the read uh, got the audition for. Yeah. But you know he's he's a cool guy too. But uh, yeah, but so DC fandom event August 22nd. I'm gonna try to live stream as much as I can. I'm gonna. Watch I hope they show a trailer for it, just so that we can yeah. talk something about it. I'm gonna be very attentive with the James Gunn panel and the black adam panel all the dc stuff i just having worked on that set i can't wait for guardians 3 to start because yes. i really want to work on that and i just want to say oh by the way in my submission email i also worked on him on suicide squad so you know he knows and me and that was a cool setting getting to see some people from guardians on suicide squad and this isn't a secret you know uh james gunn put oh out yeah there, he tweeted a big thing with a big cast yeah with the big cast so we, was, uh, so we know that some of the cast you know from Guardians worked on Suicide Squad, and we got to see some of them, and it was just cool seeing them. And I thought, I thought it was a very cool set. So, uh, Kevin, before we wrap and we finish this, there is a movie I really want to talk to you about. I really, really want to talk to you about, and I'm jealous. I'm super jealous. <sighs> Zombie Land 2. Oh, wow. Oh, yes, I almost forgot about that one. Yeah. Boy, am I jealous. Man, you not only did you yes. get to meet the cast, you were the stand-in for... I was the stand-in for Berkeley, the hippie guy, and that was... <laughs> that was... Man, that was such a fun set to be on, and my God, I kind of regret the... I kind of regret the indulging a little too much on the rap party, because I got... Uh, they missed me an opportunity to really talk to some of the cast and other people, but it was a fun. But yeah, so this was uh, last year. Not last year, but the year before. Wait. No, yeah, no, last year... And we were planning on uh, doing this kind of like on the year anniversary of this, but then COVID hit and we couldn't really meet in person after a while because we were all being really cautious about it. But um, so I got hit up by the people who does action casting for the thing and I kind of fit the guy to the T. Yeah. Avin Joja, uh, because I don't, I, I never saw. Um, um, so like it was a it was a big deal because of scheduling conflicts and when they wanted to do the screen test or the the the, the interview for it to see if we were right for it because it was like five ten like all of like brown skin kind of slim frame like same weight you know and then like long dark hair so I was like oh, I'm perfect for it so when it came to where I couldn't get that day off for it I was like I was working on something else and the casting person was really inflexible about that even though I was had somebody to replace me on it so that she had the same numbers. And luckily, luckily that day, that we ended, it ended up getting rained out, so I was able to show up to the interview anyways. Yeah. And I didn't even get any notes on what color cover I needed to bring for the oh, test. Wow. And color cover is what you have to basically, you don't wear the same wardrobe because you're not a photo double, you're just standing. So you don't, you wear the same basic color scheme so that the cinematographers, color, yeah. So, yeah, so I came in and I happened to be wearing the same shit that he wore. Because he had like a white Henley shirt like I was wearing and then like a burgundy like rolled up sleeve thing because I wear pretty much the same outfit every, you know, <laughs> again, doing the Judd Nelson thing kind of just more putting my own modern Great spin to it. Food. And it paid off. So the direct, the, the, 
the AD was there and he picked me as a like, congratulations you won. I was like, yes, my first, my first like full-time standing gig. And unfortunately he wasn't in the movie for the whole long, so I didn't work as much as some of the other fellow stand-ins. Because yeah, yeah. um, the stand-in for uh, Woody Harrelson wasn't even a stand-in, it was his, cl- his actual friend from LA. And this guy was a trip, man. He was awesome. And I was like, oh, man, he would have been my... In-. If I was working on location on a day that Bill Murray... And they, they, were, they would have paid room and board for us to go uh, to another part of Georgia to film when they had to film somewhere else. The Bill Murray and, scene? No, the Bill Murray scene was done in a hotel in Atlanta. But okay, I think he was he, he swung by there to visit Woody. Because, you know, I'm right, sure right. they're good friends from their days on... You know, from Kingpin, <laughs> uh, at least. And they're the first uh, Zombieland. Um... But I really would have been like, dude, if I get to smoke weed with, with Woody Harrelson and, and Bill Murray. <laughs> that, 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 that didn't happen, but, uh, you know, uh, but that, that set was, that oh, was a really, that place called Babylon, Babylon has to be one of the pre- most beautiful sets I've worked yeah, on. I felt like an art, it felt like an artist setting, dude. Just like dude, it was, piece. what's hilarious is that's. I have no doubt that Babylon is what the chop or the Chaz in, in Seattle was supposed to be before it got before they blew it. <laughs> and I'm not I'm gonna leave it at that because I got a, I got a huge, I got a lot to say about the situation. But to compare it to that, that's that's what the Chaz should have been under ideal circumstances of communism did work, <laughs> but it doesn't. So it didn't, and it just fell apart pretty damn quickly. <laughs> but it was fun because it was a hippy dippy commune stuff and. Um, they asked us to pull double duty to be extras as well as being like and stand-ins. And that's that's not heard of too much, guys. So that means that we would have worked all day with no breaks and stuff. Because being a stand-in is a fairly cushy job, and it's it's pretty cool. And I'll tell you something, guys. In LA and Georgia is different. In LA, you will get two vouchers. I mean, two different payments. Here in Georgia, it's like you're on the clock for the whole day. <laughs> the main stand-in for uh, for Eisenberg. He was the MVP for us because he negotiated us a fat bump. Really? When he got it, because they didn't say so that wasn't on the table, but he went up and negotiated for us, and he, I made some good money that spring working at all those days and stuff. And he negotiated the, you being a stand-in and an extra? Yeah, to pull double duty because you're doing oh. two jobs at once, yeah. Oh. And it was good because we worked a lot of good hours and stuff, so on top of our stand-in rate, we got, we got that big bump, that fat bump. And uh, I met some fantastic people on that set that I was really lucky to meet. And some, uh, some were actually very, very cool in L.A. and stuff. And I really hope to, to eventually work with them if my acting career, if an act, my acting career does take off, which, you know, God willing, it does. And um, it was fantastic. I saw Rosario, I saw Woody Harrelson, uh, Emma, Emma Stone, and yeah. Abigail Breslin, and just, like, everybody. And um, funny enough, I ended up accidentally weaseling my way out of... Uh, on some some nights where they did the barricade thing to do the uh, the the bull run, the the zombie run that he does at the end, and uh, I was sitting in with another temporary stand-in, and they called everybody, but it must have not heard it. So I was still, so I was like, man, they're not working. And so they had already started to, they did already did wide shots of everybody. So yeah. I was like, oh crap, they can't. I guess I can't work because I'm already established. They're they're established without me. And watching the movie, I was disappointed I didn't work it. But then looking back, I talked to people who worked that day. I was like, dude, dude, it sucked. It was, it was really damn cold. <laughs> I got cold those nights. So I was like, all right, yeah. okay. in, that, in that regard, I get. And Another one of the hosts, Luis, he worked on that. So he was in Babylon. He talked about those overnights. Yeah. That's crazy. 
Oh, Luis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember him seeing on that there on that. And I was just like, it was a, I really want to be a stand-in again. It was a really fun thing because I ate so well. Oh, my so, God. The food. How was it when you met Woody and Emma? It was cool because on set, you know, and you're not supposed to, do rule of thumbs, you're not supposed to go up and straight up just chit-chat with the actors and stuff. But, Abby, you know, the first set that I worked on, day I worked on was when the, uh, did the cutaway gag where he's, uh, in this warehouse thing when they first meet Berkeley and he's yes. playing the guitar and I, uh, that day I kind of wish I brought a guitar pick for, for Avin to play, but I was, you know, playing some stuff and I was just playing some like, you know, Alice Chains Rooster or Plush with Stone Temple Pilots, just yeah. whatever stuff I, I could remember on the guitar. But Abigail spoke to her stand-in and would just come by and say hi, that was really sweet of her. And then I met uh, Abigail's assistants and she, they were really cool too. Um, I kind of lost touch with them, but uh, you know, I kind of wish I kept in touch. But there were really, there a lot of fantastic people on set. And then I've seen Woody hang around with um, one of the special effects guys uh, and his family, because they were, they were, the family was on set, and now they were playing um, cornhole. They were, they're they're yeah, yeah. playing a ground of cornhole in Babylon. And everyone was just doing So, like, it took a couple of weeks to work day and then Woody when I met Woody on set you know and the first day we worked at Babylon he actually got a slutty vegan food truck because he's you know famously vegan yeah and I already eat like a pig throughout the day you got a whole slutty vegan food truck dude that was probably the best burger I've ever had in my life oh my god oh my god because I, I ate it cold when I got home because I was already stuffed with rafters for it but I, I'm also that when I got home that day it was Amazing! So thank you, Woody, for getting getting us that 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 truck. It was fantastic. When he when he came up, you know he he has that look in his eye, you know that look. But he uh, walked up and he was chit chatting, and we were all on our marks and stuff. And he was just like they were shooting the they were shooting the shit before they it was time to roll on yeah, shot, yeah. and we had to get out so that they take their spots to do some final fine tuning and stuff. But he kind of walked up to me and he did these sort of the have I met you before? <laughs> and I was like, no, we haven't really, I've seen you here, but I've not. I was like, I'm Woody. It's like, I'm Kevin. Like, nice to meet you. It's like that, that, that trademark, that sort of that, he kind of looked like that quizzical Woody Harrelson look. And that was cool. And then I saw uh, Rosario. She was, she was really cool. She's super nice. I met her too. She's really, really nice. Jesse was about the Jesse Eisenberg, as you can think. You know, he's <laughs> very, you know, uh, Emma, Emma was really cool that's the one i'm jealous of man oh my god that was uh, guys i'm married you guys know this by now but man <laughs> man she on the list i'm just saying <laughs> i so yeah i got a little too uh wait, 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 sorry uh, oscar winner and <laughs> she's an oscar winner yeah she, she, yeah she is she's an oscar winner for, which movie i forget which one was it the i think la la land yeah all I know is the first thing I saw her in was uh, Super Bad, and she was, you know, total sweetheart, awesome girl, and so uh, and loved her in Easy A. But um, so like we go to the rap party, which almost didn't happen, but apparently there was some drama that I. Okay, it is La La Land. Sorry guys, I have to double check. But yeah, Easy A was my introduction to Emma Stone. My, yeah, mine was Super Bad. Super Bad. Oh, yeah. Super Bad. But I guess I didn't pay that much attention to her into an easy A and they're like oh wait she wasn't super bad as well so yes I did see her first in super bad 
But ECA was like to me that breakout role, and ECA is like one of those classic movies, kind of like Mean Girls. Yeah, ECA yeah. uh, doesn't get much love because everybody loves me. I still have, I still got to see Mean Girls, but ECA gets needs get more love because I, I, you know, I thought something. You know, I had a, a weird, I had a, like a typical impression of being a guy. You know, I think ah, oh, it's gonna be one of those. High- you know, it's going to be like one of those teeny bopper type right, movies. Right, right. I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, it's such a really good movie. I very, loved it. Very well written. Yeah. Very well written. Good for uh, good for everybody. But um, I saw the rap party that almost didn't happen, which uh, I didn't get all dressed up for because I worked that day. Is that is that the first rap party you've ever been invited to? Only rap party I've ever been to. And, yeah, it was uh, other people in the crew, uh, their cast and stuff apparently made it happen because there was some stuff that had happened uh, that made it almost not happen. So thank you to whoever did. I don't really know who exactly made that happen, but uh, yeah. yeah, but thanks. I had a really good time. Um, <laughs> I was able to have some time to really have a cool conversation with Avin. Great guy. My biggest regret is that I didn't get to ask his email when he was done because he mentioned when we were on the following week on the one of the last days, I, you know, to, to stand in for him again if he ever is in Atlanta to do you know to work on anything. So right, right. Yeah. If you're out there, if you're watching this and stuff, dude. <laughs> it's like, you know, the Rock and Robert Downey Jr. They have, like, their full-time stand-ins, you know? Yeah, and um, he was a great guy, a real cool conversationalist. Um, uh, Emma was already chit-chatting with people, so I didn't have much ch- chance to talk to many people. Uh, Jesse had to leave a little early because he, he had a little kiddo, and, uh, you know, you know yeah. as as what would happen and stuff. I um, didn't get to talk to Woody, but he was passing around a vape pen, and I thought it was his. I mean, it did. I mean, I could guess technically say that I got high with Woody Harrelson, but I, <laughs> with those vape pens, they took a harder hit than I thought. So, I might do it. Apparently, I just come to find out it was one of the stunt guys. Oh, but, you know, if it's good enough for Woody to, to take, take, you know, to be puffing on, you know. But I took a long drag because, you know, those vapes are a lot stronger. You know, like, I'm not used to it. So, like, I, that was gone for the last two, two and a half hours of the... Dude, that. So, my, that's, why, that's why I look so fucked up in the, my photo with Rosario, because yeah. I was just like... <laughs> Dude, it was a miracle. It was a miracle that I got home that night. Yeah, and that, that movie was so good, man. I love that. Dude, movie. I loved it. It was so much. And I really regret not getting a uh, uh, with Zoe uh, with uh, with uh, Madison. Yes. The the pink girl. Yes. I really regret not getting a photo with her because she was so funny in the yeah, movie. I thought she was gonna be annoying when I saw the trailer, and then when I saw the movie. On the set, like it didn't, you know, like it's weird how things work out because you know you're filming something, you're not feeling the material, and that's like you talk to any actors, you know, they work on a movie and right, it's right. that a rough go at it, and then when the movie comes out, it turns out a lot better than they could have, and vice versa. They have a blast on a set, right. and then it turns out in the movie is like crap, and it's just like you know, it's just it's weird how sometimes <laughs> things work, but. But this was a case where, like, ah, the material was just, like, you know, on the yeah. day. But then, like, it just, the movie magic. The movie came out, and it was, it, she was hilarious. It hit, it hit so funny, man. Oh, that, my God. She was, she was a great adi- addition to it. That's another thing, too, because they were talking about doing a spinoff with her. Yes. So if Berkeley and her are in a movie, please, please, Avin, I would absolutely stand in for please, you again I on that movie. Yeah. I want to, oh, my God. <laughs> I would absolutely would. But, Good movie. Uh, maybe one day we'll sit down and rate it and talk about the Zombieland movies. Yeah, I got managed to get a photo with Woody. Uh, so the only person I got was with Avin and, and Rosario at the rap party, and then I was too far gone to ask because you're not supposed to ask for photos on set. But on the last day, they were doing a company move from the studio to a, to a location, and at that point, they didn't need us anymore. Yeah. So one by one, I was asking, and I was like, "Hey, Ab- Ab- like Abigail, like, hey, had, it was great working with you and stuff. Like, hate to bother you, know? It's like I." Didn't get a chance at the rap party. Can I get a photo for you guys? I was like, yeah, so I got one with her. 
shadowed Woody, got one with him. That was cool. That Woody Harrelson photo was great. I got one with the director. Yeah. He was cool. Cool as hell guy. And then I think Emma was already gone. I was like, oh, all right, well, send. So, so I went outside to the van at Pinewood and asked one of the train. I was waiting for the other stand-in so we can get ferried back up to parking to our car so we can go home. And um, so I'm out by the vans and stuff, and I see, like, in a small little, like, a Honda CRV-type vehicle, <laughs> it was Emma loading up with her hair and makeup people, with her people they were loading up. They were, I guess she was driving herself, you know. Cool. That's cool. Um, and so I walked by, and I kind of I, I waved, and I was waiting in the van, and the other stand-ins weren't really showing up quite immediately. So I waited outside and stuff, and she was pulling around and stuff, and I waved goodbye. And But she kind of pulled to a stop and rolled down her window and leaned over out the passenger side because she was driving. She goes like, oh, hi, thank you so much. Congratulations, Adam. So much. Like, oh, thank you, thank you so much. Like, um, uh, can I, I know you're busy and you got to go somewhere, but you mind if I get a photo with you because I didn't get a shot, uh, uh, a, a chance at the, uh, at the rap parties. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I double back around the driver's side because I just wanted to do like a quick little selfie out the window so she can right, just right. get on her mirror because because you know yeah. yeah yeah no she stopped puts in a park she gets out and we get a photo together and we actually I found a spot in the shade it was a beautiful crisp sunny day guys the jealousy when I saw that and picture. she I was talking to her and <laughs> man she was just like I even more so I regret not being able to try to you know just sit down and really just chit chat with her briefly at the rap party because I didn't. You know, she was professional, so she's kind of like not, you know, you don't want to bug, bug them while they're working. So I didn't have a chance that they're during a Babylon. But, but um, the, the fact that she pulled. She, that, she, uh, she didn't even need to step, but she was such a switch. She went to step outside and did a proper with photos with me. It was one of my best photos on my Instagram. Because if you go to my Instagram, you'll see these. Oh, yeah. Where can people follow you at? It's at Monty underscore 117. That's where I am on Instagram. I'll put it right here. And um, and I forget if I hugged her or shook her hand, but I go like I had a blast. It was awesome work with you. I really hope you know it's just a God bless and all that stuff. And she goes like I just I can't wait for this movie to come out. I'm so stoked. <laughs> Thank you and all that stuff. And she shared niceties and we left. And uh, yeah, that was like the the very end of the last day. So I managed to get that photo with Emma, and she was she was wonderful. She was super cool. Damn. That's awesome. That's what's amazing, awesome man. After seeing that movie, I'm like, man, that looked fun to work on. And it just, it's, it's such a, because I remember when it came out, it had the first one. People, people had no expectations for it. People were just like, well, it was like the big zombie thing, and it was like that was yeah. a genre they can easily screw up because it was being so. It was, everybody was on like college and high school kids were just oh, zombie movies, zombie movies. You'd roll your eyes at that point. So Zombie Land, you would think, you know, after Shaun of the Dead raised the bar so high. Yeah. You think no? Zombieland was fantastic. I had a, fantastic. you know, they didn't they didn't blow. It. And with this one, and the writers went on to do Deadpool, by the way. Exactly. So with this one, you know, it's like man, it's like ten years. It's like been a long time. You know, don't they stuck the landing on this one too? They didn't look that much different for ten years. I'm just gonna say, except uh, the, the except for uh, except for Little Rock, yeah. But yeah. you know, she was she was she was really cool too. And apparently, she was really chatty with some of the extras at Babylon and. Uh, Again, that's another that's another person I kind of regret not uh, talking to a little bit more. But she was uh, everybody was cool on set. They're fantastic to work with. I really hope uh, they get to do something else here again. Again, fingers crossed that they do the Madison uh, spinoff with uh, Berkeley because that was 
they were hilarious. We'll be getting more stories than seeing him around. Oh yeah, also, I got, they, you know the Cadillac, the Elvis's Cadillac? Yeah. That was, that wasn't a mock-up. That was Elvis's actual Cadillac I got to sit in. Oh. Yes. His real Cadillac. His, they, had to empty us, they had us empty our pockets because they didn't want to have any sharp objects or anything like that. Exactly. If we had a pen to, to puncture the leather. Right, right. It was, dude, like the, it was like coated, like a laminated, like freshly painted, like, you know, perfectly smooth, waxed dude. dashboard. It was like a steel dashboard. And I was sitting in it with my friend who was uh, with my sta the stand-in for Little Rock. And uh, don't feel bad if I'm not naming. I'm just, uh, you know, I didn't really, like, I'm trying to be careful not to name names too much on this. So if, you know, so, so not, <laughs> so I'm just being a little overly cautious. But I was sitting with her. I was like, man, this is like, dude, Elvis, this is, Elvis' car was nice. This is like, yeah, it was apparently actual Elvis's Cadillac that I got oh to sit God. in. So that was cool, too. And then they, they had a pretty, pretty good mock-up of the Beast. The, you know the the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the 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 presidential Cadillac limo. The limo, yeah. But that was this Cadillac. You know, it wasn't. They didn't just remake it. They, didn't yeah, they could have it. easily done a mock-up yeah. of it, or could have gotten got like a collector to to. I, or you could have just like got like a Honda Civic, strip everything, and or something. Yeah, you made a kit car out of it, but yeah. now they got actual Elvis's car. God, I can't, I can't imagine how much that insurance for that thing would have cost for them to, to, to run it out to that production. That set, that did, was... did the actors actually drive it? No. So what they did, they didn't even, they didn't even turn it on. So what they did is that they had these, um, and I've seen ads for it, but they have these things that they look like the dolly wheels yeah. that they use on car, on a, like, you know, mechanic shops and stuff. But basically, it's like you roll it on the wheels. So it's like a... It's kind of like those wedges you put on like in a trailer and stuff to keep it from rolling away. But I've seen it done on a, they, they roll a motorcycle on on both wheels yeah. so you can move it around so you don't have to like, you know, get on it and kind of right, like, right. kind of like, kind of tiptoe way back to move it around in the garage. No, you can literally put the wheels on it so you can just move it and like, kind of move the vehicle, move like the motorcycle to the side of the garage to save space. They kind of had similar rig, I think, on the Kelvis's Cadillac. So I think the only turned the engine on to like mount it on it and then they had it like it was like on a trailer thing so they it was like you yeah. know they didn't run the engine on it <laughs> holy shit yeah. dude oh my god that that's amazing uh you you had the best experience on that set from what i can tell and the food the best food too man again i man i stuffed my face with a good crafty oh, yeah. I, oh being extra being a uh, uh stand and i got the crew catering crew crap. sometimes they separate the food well most of the time most of the time to do extras it. get their own food if it's if it's a small set you know if it's like less than like maybe 20 extras they'll they'll just let you have crew. guys on godzilla we got the same uh crew food and since i worked on it for a month i didn't do any grocery shopping for like that whole month working full-time as an extra you save a mint on groceries i a swear lot. a lot and on like I will say $18. Oh, my place. God. Dude, with the restrictions because of freaking COVID, they might not be able to serve food like that anymore because it's now box lunches. Box or they have servers. See, so... That's true. The last... One of the last movies. Not the last because the last thing I was on was The Resident. That was my last day before COVID. Oh, they treat you... They treat background like kings on that set. Yeah. But that same week, I worked on Red Notice, which is the new Netflix I movie. Get, I didn't get to work on that one. I'm not going to talk about what I saw on set, but I got to work on Red Notice. Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, and Gagado. Anyways, the whole COVID thing was starting. 
and instead of us getting the food, they were serving the food to us. So we all kind of felt bad being like a little more, and then it's like it's a little, <laughs> just, but that that might change. But they got they got a lot of uh, Spanish speakers working behind, uh, working a lot of cooking up the food. So being bilingual, that's like a cool thing because then you can ask in Spanish. Because yeah. un poquito más, un poquito más, un poquito más. Well, they just give us regular scrambled eggs and stuff, but I like the salsa, and they don't really have they only have like Cholula and all that stuff for yeah. background. So I like actual salsa so if there's a salsa bar i'll just go there and like because you're not supposed to like crew or anything see but they'll they're you know they'll sometimes they'll sometimes let me have the salsa because i'm not getting like a burrito for made by them it's i just literally need the salsa for my and then the crew comes and they're like ay dios mío es un extra get out And then we do a speedy Gonzalez like, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, but no, sometimes the caterers are really cool. Actually, one of my first roommates works for one of the major, one of the big creme de la creme catering companies. So he's he is my he is my hookup when I'm on Walking Dead or any other show that he's working on. Because I say, hey, dude, what's up? What's up? Because you know he was yeah he lived when I first moved here. I was rent I was in an room. The Airbnb uh, a room in this house with a bunch of other people that worked in the business, or a couple other people that worked in the business, and he was one of them. So that was um, <laughs> so that's, that's always kind of cool to see him. Yeah. On, but there was uh, I got a, I got a bunch of stories. But thank you for bringing up Zombieland because I almost forgot that that's like that was like the main one that we were supposed to be here <laughs> for the. Like the big that was the big one, but you now Babylon was. I got so many. I snuck a lot of photos of that place on set that I uploaded on my Instagram. And man, there's like those those photos on my Instagram. Do not do it justice. It was, it was beautiful. It was like it's it was heartbreaking because we went to the same spot for Suicide Squad on the same back lot when we filmed out in Pinewood. And man, not to not see Bert Babylon there was that was kind of heartbreaking. Well, that's how I'm gonna feel about Suicide Squad when they tear all that thing down. Well, one thing Evan told me about that we were supposed to be on the on the ramp where he does a jump off for the yeah. for the bull riding. Uh, the there was a cool there was there was a cool shot of me. Because I had my cool like black and white denim jacket with the, the the fur thing, so it was like the white fur collar with the black jacket. And I was looking all badass and stuff. And Avin said that I looked like an X Man, like an X Man looking at the monitor. And it's like I regret not asking one of my people, one of the friends that I, one of the people that I met on that set that was that could have snuck me a photo. I could have, I forgot to ask her to sneak me a photo of. Yeah. I don't think she was there that night, so I was like, man, can you please sneak me a photo? Because I want to look. Because you see the monitor, you see the set, it goes, you know, it's a set. Yeah. But you look at the monitor and it's like, holy crap, it looks like a movie. It's like, it's, it's like magic with the lenses and the lighting. Yeah, the Man, the way the they light. frame it up, it looks like a freaking movie on the monitor. And the yeah. way everything's meant to be shot, you know, not vertical. You really like, and so man, when he said that, I was like, dude, I wish somebody got me a photo yeah. of that on the monitor so that I could have myself look like a freaking you know move you know freaking a young danny trejo because everybody says <laughs> something everybody says that i kind of like am or like, like a mini uh, danny trejo or uh, like the cousin of antonio banderas in desperado <laughs> it's another one that i've cosplayed as was el mariachi that was, a, that was another good cosplay. i mean this guy he can do it all man yeah well that's well that's one of my dreams to work with robert rodriguez oh my god i want to put it out there Make an, a sequel to Alita Battle Angel, and I will do everything I can to work on that. I will make a road trip back hey. to Austin because I freaking love that movie. Uh, I love Alita. I'll be one of the townspeople, dude. 
I still gotta, I still gotta do my. Oh no, but then we will have to be upper city people, right? The the. Oh, for uh. For Alita too, because she's going. Yeah. She's going to get the. She's yeah. She was winning for the uh, the, the 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 tournament. Yeah, to yeah. to get up there. But well, dude, uh, just to move on to the last thing, um, legacies. <laughs> let's start. Let's start with start from the beginning. The final season of the originals. Final season of the originals, yes. I'm a werewolf. If you can see, it's the Fenrir ring from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, so I'm yeah. A Just, uh, I, I don't work a lot on it, but the times I worked on it, I was always a witch. I'll try to find a picture. Oh, on the on originals? You worked originals? Originals, I was always a witch. Fine. But, continue. When it went from l originals to legacies, I was just logically, because of my long hair and my Native American looking ass, because I'm Mexican, so I'm, I get Native American law, and as far as I can tell, I might actually be closer to that than... Uh, anyway, so I had a cool APK bubble. I looked really cool blue-collar Native American out there for, 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 like, you know, more tribal werewolf, you know? Yeah. Uh, Nightwolf, essentially, <laughs> like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and so... Um, so I figured, okay, I'll just be straight. I'll werewolf it out because I had so much fun being part of the wolf pack on originals. And I didn't do my research because I had assumed that the kind... I didn't realize how underpowered those werewolves are in this show, or at least they weren't so underpowered in, 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 uh, in originals, but they sure as hell are in legacies. And I didn't do my research because I didn't think... <laughs> I was expecting Skyrim or Van Helsing style right. werewolves, you know, where you basically get to... American Werewolf in London, where we get to like be like Ant Wolf Fountain, really be a force. Like a ten pack. I didn't think to research to find out that there's yeah. freaking Twilight style shape shifting. We just turn into a, a... dog. Because <laughs> I want to do cool stuff on sets. I got snubbed out of being able to do that when I was a mutant on the Gifted for the first season right, before right. they wrote us off. Because I wanted to be like a teleporter. Because that's the power I gave myself and I picked it for myself, and even came up with my own name. But everything they did with werewolves on Legacies, it's all stunt people because it's all physical. Right, right. And I didn't do my research because I kind of regret an opportunity of being one of the goth witches because I got the long hair and stuff. So I could have been, you know, with right, all my right. jewelry, I could have been all relatively goth, out, at least just metal witch. You know, it'd be like his Ozzy Osbourne style sorcerer, like Ronnie James Dio, some shit like that. But I was a werewolf, so we're part of the jocks and stuff. They still have to keep us, but I didn't... Th I, I'm going to be honest, wolves get no love on that show, so we get no opportunity to do anything cool, and it sucks because, <laughs> man, and I'm not sure if I... I love working on the show, because I, I love the people working on the show. I've got some of the best, and it's a pretty set, too. My God, it's a beautiful set on Legacies. But i got to say, man, I really wish I was a witch, especially a goth witch, because it's yeah. all just CG. You just have to conjure powers and just, just you know, to wave your hands, and there's just no stunt work needed. So. Right, right. And they definitely get more attention than the um, werewolves, man. We get no love on that show, man. It's, it's, kind, it's kind of a bummer. I mean, but hey, you know, it's, it is what it is, I guess. That's a, is that a reoccurring? That's a reoccurring thing. Now, I might not look it, but I have just a week ago or a week and a half ago just turned 29. Yeah, I didn't know how old I was, right? No, I didn't. This is the first time. This is an exclusive, guys. This is big for me. I always yeah. ask him. He never tells me. I am 29, and I'm still doing teenager stuff. Like, when I was on the first season of Cobra Kai, 
I felt like Billy Madison because by far I was the oldest one. I was like in mid twenties back then. You were in Cobra Kai. First season. You were the promo. I was part of the Cobra. Yeah, Kai. Cobra. Which I'm that was so disappointed because I got written off of that show because of scheduling conflicts and that was like I really wish I could have fought harder to stay on. Because those kids got to work a lot on that show yeah. for the following seasons. Of course, there's Cobra Kai. But with more camera time, it would have been. I think it might have been obvious that I looked a little, a little too old to do it. Because I'm getting kind of like the little bit of a the smile lines and the. That's why I put. That's why I put you and me in the back. We're like around the same age. But it's starting. Yeah, I'm getting on in years. So as much as I love doing the young roles. I'm getting kind of up there, so like I could probably still do the college stuff, but the high school shit, it's like yeah, now, yeah. now it's getting to the point where it's like it's getting, it feels a little weird, man. I <laughs> right. feel like Billy Madison being stuck with. <laughs> if I'm Madison. pushing thirty, if I'm almost there at the thirty mark, and uh, I mean, there's other extras and stuff that work that show that are like in their early to mid twenties. So I'm by far, I'm not like you know, it's not all young kids, but right. just when I'm thirty, I'm like almost thirty. It's like I don't know. So if they still keep hiring me for that stuff yeah. thank you god bless uh, you know that's a fun gig but uh i wouldn't mind uh venturing i mean uh, i'm trying to get into more um even on indie stuff for for stuff that's like more for me that's that i'm the for, for parts that more i think for, apart. Real. for my real yeah i'd like to definitely want to start um uh, getting you know, going into acting and stuff because i've been told i'm a natural yeah it's a and fun guys, gig this is extras we cannot even speak on this, you know, there's... One time I've done. One time. On big... On BET's Bigger. Really? And that was by luck. And I still haven't seen the clip because I had to ad-lib in Spanish. <laughs> and I kind of vaguely know Spanish. Yeah. But, hey, so you see Spanish speaks... And that didn't help that I got different direction leading up to the day to when I was on camera. Yeah. So even with the crap that I've rehearsed, and I guess it comes to be, it came back to bite me in the ass, the fact that I still don't practice my Spanish, because I want to get something like a Narcos or something if I get if I am bilingual. Oh, that be nice. uh, that's another dream gig. If I'm not on a fantasy show like, uh, yeah, that's when we have to be uh, traveling actors, you know. Yeah, no, but if I don't get to be like a high fantasy Lord of the Rings style thing, you know, or you know, cool cyberpunk style show or yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. that, or a cool war movie. Narcos is another like another thing that I would love to work on. Oh man, Narcos, oh. Sicario. Dude, just something like that. Something, yeah, some sort of That's why I don't want to flex. But I got to I got to brush up on my Spanish. But yeah, the, the, I got bumped that one day, and it was just by happenstance because I thought I was going to be. I thought I was part of a montage, but I thought I had like switched with clothes. I didn't have enough wardrobe that day. But I was like, no, you're supposed to be speaking. Like, I got the contract. I still got to call SAG to see if I can get my eligibility card. Yeah. But um. Dude, that sucked because I. T People said it did great, but I'm not. I don't have the courage to watch my own clip. If they gave me scripted lines yeah. in English to say, hey, "Can you say this?" but in Spanish, I'll call my mom, <laughs> run the grammar by her, and then start just like practice so I can get the enunciation so I can nail it. <laughs> but they didn't, so I had to not only ad lib but ad lib in Spanish. So I was like, uh. I didn't want to say no because I didn't want to get passed up because I really needed the money because my transmission just failed that summer last yeah. year, and that saved me. But, um, yeah, but we're not supposed to talk. We're not allowed to talk as extras, generally speaking. Sometimes people try to sneaking in if they just let us go ham, but... Um, yeah, and, I, and I've seen people, this is rare, so, you know, don't get your hopes up. I've seen people get bumped up from extras to speaking when they need something very specific. Like on Itania, the, the bailiff, I, he had to say, all rise, and they didn't write that in the script. 
They just needed somebody to say it. They gave him a speaking line. Yeah. Tyler, Perry, Tyler Perry is famous for doing this on his uh, shows and things like that. To his credit, yeah. Yeah, to his credit. So it, it can happen, but don't go in with that expectation of, oh, today I'm going to be discovered because they're really not looking at extras for the next, you know, actor, the next big thing, you know? Sometimes, but uh, very it, rare. It could, it could happen, like... But it's, it's very rare, yeah. They, they kind of, everything's very scripted. Everything, they kind of know how they want everything. They might want to add a line for somebody, which they do, but not to give like a whole role or anything like that, you know? Um, yeah, but just being, uh, I just hope I'll, people say I still look like a kid, so I mean, so long as they think I'm right for the high school stuff, I'm down to do it, but I want to try being an actor and still do those young roles before age catches up to me, before I start playing people in their 20s. Yep. Um, and I want to do some action-y stuff, but uh, dream projects too, either directors or genre or, you know. Man, uh, something very big like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And, and I mean it like on location, because, you know, blue, green screen is a big thing nowadays, but the way they shot it on location. would love to film something in the room. Something along those lines, you know, something that yeah. big. Uh, I'd like to. I would like to do something high fantasy if I get to, uh, yes. if, if it's good. If it's Heard mixed things about the going on behind the scenes, but if the Amazon series on uh, for Lord of the Rings is yes. good, I'll do it. I will do yes, it. If they, do, if they do the Silmarillion and, and, and stuff in Justice, I will absolutely work on that. Yeah, same thing. For me, uh, there's a lot of directors I would love to work with. Michael Mann being one of them. He's pretty demanding, I hear. Yeah. His work speaks for itself. Uh, I have the long hair, and I've always said that if there's like a dream project that I would work on that I would gladly cut my hair for. And not just like a buzz cut, but just cut my hair back short. But I would absolutely do it for a Vietnam, World War II, or Korea War yes. style project. If I get to be part of an ensemble cast like Platoon or something like Band of Brothers, like something that great. Even if I get barely get any lines but still be a series regular and do stuff with the actors like Michael Fassbender was on, on Band yeah. of Brothers. He barely got on the lines, but he was like throughout the series. Right. Throughout the season on uh, Band of Brothers. You know, or heck, even something like Generation Kill. I would do that. Something like Nar uh, Narcos. Narcos, yeah. That would be awesome to work on. Yeah. Um, whatever it is, it's good, and I hope I'm not miscast. And like I said, guys, Robert Rodriguez, I would love to yes. work with him. Yes, yes, him too, because that would be really fun. And out here, he shoots fast. Yeah. And if I ever get a chance, uh, I could play young. Um, I would like to play young Ray Romano. I oh, yeah. <laughs> I could I, do like a young, like a flashback scene. I so. Were you, were you on Blockers? I was not. Because there's somebody else that must have, but somebody's brother came up to me and told me that it looked like freaking Richard Ramirez. <laughs> the Night Stalker. Yeah. By the way, big, big shot of Kevin on blockers. I'm going to try to look oh, for yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Before we, before we finish, I just want to say I'm going to look for it. I'm going to try to put it on because it was everybody, with, everybody, Everybody I knew around here saw me in that movie. It was with John shot. Cena, right? It was with, uh, I forgot his name, but he was in a set. It was in Mad TV and he was also in Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, it was a... Uh, he was, he runs right by me in the hotel in downtown. Like, and he was like, like, like he bumps right by me. Like, what the fuck? The fuck? That was a good, uh, that was a good screen time. 
Yeah, and most recently on Sweet Magnolia in episode eight, six, eight on Sweet Magnolia. I was uh, again. That was another case where I felt really weird being a <laughs> being being there playing young because the kid that I was with, the main actor who, yeah. with whom I've uh, seen on Creep Show, he was there. So I saw him. He recognized me, but it was just like yeah. this kid looks his age, you know, and it's playing the age of the character. But I was like. I was I got like twelve years on him, so I was just like, "Wow, I felt really weird." But it was, it was that was a good day, and I got a lot of Camerton on that apparently. Damn. When I saw the clip of it, that was that's that awesome, man. Well, I'm about to try to look for that, but man, it's been fun having you here, man. Dude, I can, dude, we could probably do a couple more episodes of this stuff, probably uh, whatever with already what we've shot, but also just I got, you know, like coming up with four years of experience. Oh yeah, just like because stories for days. I haven't even got to talk about my stories yet, so we we can have stories for days. We're definitely gonna have Kevin on a lot when movies come out. Talk about more stories. Uh, when on. trailers come out, hopefully, uh, if the Suicide Squad trailer comes out, we're probably gonna come back and do a little thought, at least our thoughts on the on the trailer. Yeah, this is it's July third right now. Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. Please do not forget to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Please, please leave us a review. Uh, you know, give us a like, a thumbs up, subscribe. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you, Kevin, for being here. Yeah, and happy 4th of July, and everybody stay safe and be smart and uh, stay cool.